I'm Don Braid, political columnist of the Calgary Herald. This is Inside Alberta podcast, although these days we're talking more about outside Alberta because we're the province with the campaign swirling around us. Uh, I'm here with Chris Varko, who's our business political columnist. And Chris, maybe we can just start with an overall assessment of the campaign, which uh, in my experience, and I've covered federal elections, honestly, no kidding, since the early 1970s. And I've never seen anything as dismally divisive, dishonest, and ugly as this one. And this province of ours stands uh, like a blank in the middle of the map. Like there's been no attention paid except negative to this province by any of the leaders, including, uh, well, up to including all of them, except maybe Elizabeth May, who does acknowledge <laughs> that if we're going to take, we're going to destroy the oil and gas industry, we have to have some programs for workers. What, what do you think of it overall, Chris? Uh, I think your assessment is bang on. If you're in Alberta, you're basically the land that elections forgot. I mean, let's take a look at how many federal leaders have come into the city of Calgary. 1.3 million people. I know that virtually all the seats are already locked down for the Conservatives. Maybe all of them are. I guess we'll just we'll have to wait and see. But we have not seen the Liberal leader, Mr. Trudeau, come into town. We have not seen the NDP leader come into town. We had a one-day stop, a very brief stop uh, by Elizabeth May and uh, Andrew Scheer. I mean, it's a real contrast to when we saw Trudeau repeatedly come into Calgary during his leadership race and afterwards, and even in the last campaign, they really thought oh, yeah, that man, they had space to make here and, and room to, you know, room to win some seats. And they did win two seats, and that has just vanished. There is not even a mention. Well, remember the day before the election, Trudeau was in the northeast of Calgary at the Cultural Centre, and there were thousands of people yes. there. there. You knew then that even here in Alberta there was something going on. And, of course, they won two seats in Calgary. And I have to say, I admire Kent Hare. He's just putting up a heck of a campaign. This guy is, doesn't give up. He doesn't have any quit in him. But it's really hard to see any uh, conservative seats, or rather liberal seats, in this uh, campaign. And Edmonton, you know, the same kind of situation. They're defending two seats up there. They've got a uh, the federal natural resources minister, Sohi, who I, I, you know, I suspect is in a very tough campaign as well. Yeah. But to get to your broader point, this has been a this has been a race, a campaign which has largely spoken about issues that have spoken over top of Albertans, not to Albertans. The only debate is you pointed out in your column several times. The only debate is how quickly we're going to shut down the oil and gas industry from from most of the parties, yeah. not about whether the industry can reduce emissions or get to net zero emissions, as some companies are talking about. Instead, it's just how quickly can we shut down the sector? How quickly can we transition away? From from, from the industry, uh, for the 550,000 people who work in the natural resources sector, in the oil and gas sector, directly or indirectly, who help make up 11% of this country's GDP, this has to just be the most depressing kind of conversation that they are not being included in. The rhetoric of the campaign has moved steadily into a more advanced or even radical environmental position. Uh, and and now it, the, the assumptions are pretty clearly that the oil industry in Alberta is going to cease to exist. I mean, that's what Elizabeth May says outright, give her credit for honesty. That's what May implies. You know, we talk about the vivid moments in this campaign. For me, the most vivid moment is the guy for the Bloc Québécois, Yves-François Blanchette, is saying in the French debate, he's saying that we got to have this new uh, percussion vert, the green equalization. 
And, um, and that will mean that Alberta, because it's a high emitter, will pay money straight to Quebec. I mean, that, that's the basis of it. And, and he presents it as a serious platform. It takes up a couple of pages in their French-only platform. Now, to me, that wouldn't have been a column, except that the, the Prime Minister of Canada, at least administratively, the Liberal leader, looked at him and, and didn't flap his gums, didn't do anything except look at him blandly and then say, yeah, it kind of shows why we need strong programs in Canada. And I don't like to sort of play off family members against each other, but I can guarantee you that Pierre Trudeau would not have done that faced with a separatist talking about disadvantaging another part of the country. That captures just the rather sort of depressing tone that, that we've heard right through this whole campaign. I was speaking, and I wrote a column earlier this week about what the energy industry is thinking about the tone of this debate. Tim McMillan, who's the head of CAP, called it frustrating and shallow. And I suspect that doesn't even begin to capture some of the anger that's going on in the industry. I have to take a step back and say that I think there's an acknowledgement by most or all Albertans that this province needs to do better in terms of its emissions. We have the highest emissions per capita. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have the highest emissions per person. And we have the highest emissions overall. Right. We also have a very large industry. Uh, you know, the oil and gas industry is responsible for more than 20, I think it's 27% of total GHGs. And the industry has to do better. And the industry is trying to do better. And we know that the world needs more energy, but where is the debate about, hey, how are we going to institute technology? How are we going to use innovation to get that down? That, that, that's really not existing in this debate. There's, there's no talk. Like, none of them wants to actually say, except for Blanchette and, and Elizabeth May, to say that the oil industry just got to cease, right? So because they can't go that far, because Trudeau can't go that far, although I'm convinced that's what he means, then you can't talk about what happens next. Like, okay, imagine if in some future that's not so far away, they say, yeah, we're going to shut her down. Well, my argument would be that if, you, if you're even going to consider that, you've got to come to Alberta and say, you will be the energy, green energy capital of Canada. Uh, you will get plenty of money to incent that. You, you're going to have a transition here that's going to go to your expert. Do you think they've, any one of them has got the guts to actually say something like that? Because that's the implication of what, of what they're talking about. Well, and the other question is here is, let's take a look at Canada's history on international accords on climate change. 1997, the Kyoto Accord. We agreed to that. We didn't meet it. Uh, Copenhagen. Now we've got the Paris Climate Accords. We, we've seen the data shows that we're not online to meet those. And now we have all these kind of promises coming up. But where are the solutions? Like that, I think, is the part that Canadians are, are missing here is we can set these goals, but how are we actually going to achieve them in, in a practical way? And I think a lot of people, including myself, are still waiting for those answers. Yeah. And we should talk about uh, Greta Thunberg, this Absolutely. amazing young woman, a 16-year-old kid from from Sweden, who uh, got drew a crowd of 500,000 in Montreal and now is going to be in Edmonton at the legislature for a demonstration that I would not be surprised if you get tens of thousands of people at that demonstration in Edmonton. Uh, my own view of her is, I, 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 first of all, I think we have to acknowledge that she represents a really powerful, legitimate body of opinion among young people who are really scared. Like, the, it's hard to talk to anybody who's politically conscious at all or environmentally conscious without getting a real fear about the rest of their lives. So th we cannot dismiss this. We've got to listen to what she says, although she's taken, you know, already before this even happens, there's been a tremendous amount of vitriol. What, what do you, how do you, uh, how do you assess her coming at this time 
do you think there's any political meaning? Does it have any bearing to think on the, on voting at all, or what do you think? Well, I don't think that it necessarily has a bearing on the voting, particularly in this province. But I think you are quite right when you say that she captures the passion that many uh, people, including you know people younger than me and younger than you, are, are are feeling towards this issue, and we're seeing this play out on the streets in these climate rallies and strikes around uh, around the world. To be honest with you. I thought Mayor Ned Nenshi had a very good point on Wednesday, or Thursday rather, when he was speaking about this, and he said that he was welcoming that, she, you know, she was, he was glad to see that he was, she was here, he was hoping he was going to get to meet with her, but he didn't think that was going to happen because she was just coming in and, and leaving and heading up to Edmonton, but he was a bit disturbed by the language he was seeing online saying that she wasn't welcome here, and he was asking why would we possibly say that? Why would anyone say that? And I think that's a good point, is why would we want to shut down the debate? The debate should be going on. Getting back to our earlier points, we should be talking about solutions, but let's not pretend that neither side here deserves to have any airtime. Yes, and also there's the, the, the simple uh, uh, public relations horror of yes. seeming not, not to welcome her. I mean, if, if Alberta, the, this is the trap for Alberta, uh, uh, with her here is that if we somehow seem to reject her and treat her in a hostile fashion, then we'll be the only ones she's met in a lot of places in the world that have done that, and will not. It will not be a good look. That's for sure. What did you think about the tone, Don, that uh, Premier Kenny took with regards to her trip here? I thought it was okay. I, he said he welcomed her. He had a real big, friendly smile on his face. He said he welcomed her. He said he admires her. He said he said uh, he hopes she appreciates the beauty of uh, environmental beauty of Alberta, and that's one thing that anybody who's absorbed all the anti oil sands talk. Uh, the people are routinely surprised to see the whole province isn't like Mordor. So one would hope that that the the young young lady, this activist, this amazing uh, almost Nobel Prize winner right. uh, at the age of sixteen, would say something positive because um, there have been occasions when. She's been very direct, very clear. There's only one answer right now, right? So let's hope uh, that's what we get uh, from this. Could I, I just say something more about the campaign? Uh, you know, I, I noticed that the, the, the voter turnout, Chris, the advanced polling, 4.9 million people voted. That's, that's a huge number. It's more than, way more than 2015. Mm -hmm. um, typically, when that kind of thing happens, it means there's going to be a big general vote. Uh, big general votes usually happen when there's a change coming. Um, and so I wonder, you know, kind of the, the conservatives have been kind of set aside in this in a lot of the media coverage. I mean, the Globe and Mail is just full of everything to do on the left every single day, uh, everything to do with the, you know, and, and those are good stories. And they need to be written. But the, I, the idea that Scheer might actually win this thing has not got much traction. And I kind of wonder if his affordability uh, program, you know, lower taxes, cutting the carbon tax, which he's now saying he will... Uh, definitely abolished by January 1st, 2020. Right. Um, and and there are polls out there that show that a very big majority of Canadians are really worried about affordability issues, just, just like Horgan picked up on that in B.C. when he ran his campaign there. And, you know, he might do better than we think. I, I wouldn't be at all be surprised if he did rather better than, than most people expect. What do you think? Well, going to your earlier point about the turnout, I mean, the turnout was large, but I suspect it's part of a bigger trend that we're seeing that voters want to have the convenience of voting when it fits into their schedule. And doing so just on one particular day 
when there's sometimes are very large lineups, is, is not terribly convenient. And I think we've seen this in the provincial election. We even saw it in the municipal election here in Calgary no, a couple I, years ago. No, I agree ago. completely. It's, it's a good way to vote. But if, you're not, if you have no plans to vote at all, you don't go vote on advanced polling day. <laughs> <They're like> a, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of people voted. Anyway, do you want to move on to a sure. couple of provincial items? Yeah, let's, I wanted to get your thoughts, Don, on, first of all, the uh, issue on the trucking changes and the exemptions that were granted to some of the truck drivers uh, in the province of Alberta coming uh, at the same time that I believe that the Transportation Minister Rick McIver was meeting or had met with the families involved uh, who lost loved ones in the Humboldt disaster. This is a spectacular clangor. I mean, to do something like loosen rules on trucking that were brought in after the Humboldt disaster, even if there's a good reason, there may be good reasons. I expect they might be economic as much as safety. But it just was really a bad look. And it it definitely hurt those people. And to McIver's credit, I mean, McIver's a seasoned politician. He knows when to back up. And uh, it looks like that's what he's doing. And he's saying they'll, they'll, they'll reconsider this. But I, I was pretty shocked, actually, considering the, the grief that was shared, uh, you know, by Saskatchewan and Alberta and everything over this. And it's not, not all that long ago. So I was surprised. Then uh, on Wednesday, we saw the UCP said they would introduce legislation uh, that's modeled after the uh, Claire's Law in the United Kingdom. It would allow people in abusive relationships to uh, seek out and get information about their partner's criminal record. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that's a I think that's great legislation. I mean, there are cases. There's one one here in Alberta of, of women who married people who had really, uh, you know, significant criminal records of abuse that they knew nothing about. And then they, uh, in, in one case, a woman severely beaten. Of course, it all began with a woman named, I think, Clara Wood in England who, who was killed by a man who had a, on record a history of abuse. It's a difficult one, though, Chris, because uh, the question becomes when and under what conditions does a spouse, male or female, have the right to know about their partner's abusive past? Is it, does it begin when a person's thinking about marrying somebody, when there's no indication of anything, and maybe you're 20 years old and you're getting married? Does a woman or a man have a right to look into that person's past? So what I, I take it has happened with these uh, laws is that they become quite complicated in a regulatory fashion, and that's happened in Saskatchewan. But uh, in general, uh, I, I, I think it's very praiseworthy. Well, the upcoming week is going to be very busy. We've talked about the federal election. We've got a provincial budget coming. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about next week as well. I forgot the provincial budget is coming <laughs> next week. We got the election on Monday and then the provincial budget three days later. It's going to be a very interesting day. And one suspects we'll be uh, going late into the night to see who holds the hammer over minority, the the, the Greens, the, uh, the, the NDP, or the Black Quebecois. I can't wait for that. We'll see you next week.